Hi, and welcome to episode 34 of the Mandarin Blueprint podcast. Uh, so jump straight into updates today. We have been doing really well on the pronunciation mastery. We've been doing sort of a campaign recently because it's not going to be free forever. We're actually, if anyone's listening to this right now and you want to learn Chinese pronunciation, get a free eight hour video course, get in there before July the 1st. Now, we always said we were going to make it free forever. So therefore, we're sort of technically just, it's still technically going to be free. It's just that it's going to be part of the monthly subscription of the Mandarin Blueprint method. So I guess it's not free, but it's not going to make the monthly price increase or anything. It's just going to be, I guess, behind some sort of paywall. But um, so get in there now while you can and get that free video course. It's been doing really well. We've got about a thousand signups in the last week or so. Um, and apologies if you're getting ads for for it on your Facebook, uh, even though you've already signed up. We've we've been trying to we've had some issues with the tracking on that. So, but we're getting that sorted out. Uh, site speed is another issue. We are also the site is going to be completely overhauled. I guess it's not very interesting, but I thought I'd tell you anyway. If you're on the site and you find it slow sometimes when you're reading the blog or one of our any other of our other pages. Uh, we are having a big overhaul and getting that problem sorted out once and for all. Uh, I guess more related to Chinese, something cool that I'm I'm doing this week, which I haven't done in a long time, is writing a blog post. I I used to write, uh, I've written a few back in the, back in the day. Um, I have written a few of them, but Phil pretty much does all the writing. He does a really good job. Uh, but we've decided to basically change, do it like a new project, and we're going to just get a higher output, higher quality blog posts, even higher quality, and more of them, just to uh, get ourselves out there a little bit more. And an idea I had was to take our ebook, which was which people have said that they really like, the Speak Chinese Like a Native ebook, very catchy name and uh, divide it into 10. It's basically got 10 really good tips for how to approach Chinese learning and how to get to fluency and literacy quickly. And we're going to just, these, these are very, very short, they're like a few hundred words each, but we're going to cut them up into their 10, 10 um, uh, chapters and make a longer form blog post for each subject. And the first one that I decided to, to do myself was all about input. That's actually chapter one in this ebook. So focus on input. And it's, it, as I was sort of writing it, I was thinking about Mandarin Blueprint. And the, the whole idea is that essentially everything that we've done, like the whole course, of course is, everything is all based on this concept. This is like the sort of overarching concept of language learning that changed everything for us. Um, you know, made us go from struggling and frustrated to not struggling and frustrated and actually doing really well in the language and having more fun with it at the same time. It was all because we changed our frame. We changed the way we saw language learning. And it was because of l delving into people like uh, Dr. Stephen Krashen. And he sort of, I guess he would be sort of the um, the big guy in this area. He's, he's definitely the most cited uh, researcher in the area of linguistics. And he sp focuses specifically on input. More specifically, reading, but any sort of input, really. And uh, he sort of sent us both 
down a path, like the rabbit hole of, of input, led us to lots of other things. And it really shaped the whole way we structured the course because the whole course is all based on, as, as most of you know, getting to be able to read and understand Chinese as fast as possible, which is the hardest part about the language and which we're trying to solve, which I think we have done to a large degree. And um, I just I was just delving into all these these people again, you know, Stephen Krashen, uh, ajat.com, A-J-A-T-T.com, all Japanese all the time. We were just obsessed with this, especially Phil, he got me onto this guy. Um, he doesn't really do much anymore, which is a shame. I guess he's moved on to other stuff, but Katsumoto is his name. This guy runs his website, and it's all just great stuff. I highly recommend you check it out, whatever language you're learning, whether it's Chinese. It's obviously based on Japanese, but it applies to everything. And he's all about that too. And, you know, it's just also there's Anti-Moon. Anti-Moon is a huge one. And I was just delving into all these sites just to refresh myself on, on the actual research, the figures, um, the way people look at these sorts of things that are much smarter than I am and know much more about language learning and linguistics than we do. And um, it was just great to get back into it. You know, input is is the key. And I, I, was, uh, I was getting back into, um, so I've, I've been sort of a bit lax on everything lately, to be honest. Um, just lots of stuff going on, life. Um, and, you know, not been listening that much in Chinese, not been reading that much. I used to do it every single day and uh, I'm now getting back into it. I took a, took a couple of months just sort of on and off, on and off. And I, I basically last night spent about an hour reading Isaac Asimov, um, iRobot. So he's, the, he's like one of the most well-known sci-fi writers. And I'm not like a, a sci-fi guy, but I wanted to get into it and just I've heard it's really cool, and it's like this. He's got about a million books. Uh, silly. He's got he's got a bunch of books that all kind of connect to each other in a series, also or several series that sort of interconnect. And I've basically downloaded his entire works in Chinese from Taobao as uh, eBooks, and I've uploaded uh, the first book, which I'm recommended. To, it's not the first chronologically, but I followed like a fan page of his, and it's like you should read the books in this order. Uh, so I start, I'm starting with iRobot. I'm just going to work my way through. And it's really cool. And again, it's, it's learning, uh, just learning all sorts of new words and words that I was just on the cusp of being able to use, but I never sort of, never sort of quite clicked. And uh, you, read them, you read them once, you think, oh, that's that word that I know. And then you read it again, like a couple of chapters later. And you're like, this word's so rare. Surely it's not going to turn up again. But it does a third or fourth time, and then it sort of starts really clicking. And, uh, and you're, at the same time, because you're into the content, you don't mind taking your time with it. I'm just sitting there, you know, not reading especially fast. It's the end of the day. I'm tired, just enjoying my time with the book. And uh, I'm, I'm explaining reading like I'm, it's some sort of new concept that you're not familiar with. You know what reading's like, right? But it's just cool because I'm, it's, you're doing it in, an, in another language and it's just a bit different, I guess, you know. Very fun. So I highly recommend that if you, any of you want to take, take your reading or, write or uh, anything to the next level. Try and find stuff that uh, you might be interested in and try and find Chinese versions of that. Um, Comics was a big one for me, uh, and I still love reading comics. I, I read One Piece. One Piece is a really good one. Uh, 
because it's a bit fun. It's kind of kid, childlike, but it's also it's it's also got a bit of adult theme in there as well. And it's simple. It's not too much of a strain. There's not you're not going to find new words all the time, like really advanced words. It's really spoken, really straightforward, and fun and creative. And there's about there's about five hundred um, volumes or something like that. It's just there's tons of them. You can just download a little app and work your way through. Uh, and here's whilst I'm on the subject of this, I'll move on to the actual podcast in a minute. But the the key is really engaging content and. You can take it to whatever level you want. So if you want to just sit there and read and skim through it and say, oh, that's interesting. Oh, that's a cool word. And not do anything about it, that's fine. As long as you read a lot, it's kind of a natural SRS. Like you'll eventually see that word again if it's important or if it's anywhere near common, if you read enough, right? But if you want to take it to the next level, you can, of course, with link, L-I-N-G-Q.com, you can save words and then you can export those words and phrases into Anki later. As, an, as a CSV file, like an Excel file, and you can import them into Anki, and you can add images and audio if you wanted to take it to that next level. I used to do that, and it's, it's fine if you have time. With comics, you can take screenshots. You can sort of zoom in on the individual speech bubble, take screenshots, and then do image occlusion. Image occlusion, so it's O-C-C-L-U-S-I-O-N, occlusion. It's an add-on for Anki, and you can cover up the individual words or characters and make a flashcard out of them that way. Again, fairly time intensive, but also you do that, you, you take that like few minutes, you're never going to forget that word. You know, after a few uh, uh, repetitions, you're never gonna forget it. Because there's just so much, as long as you enjoy the comic and you're into it and stuff, there's just so much context there. Anyway, I could go on about that for ages, but um, that's just a couple of little tips for you if you didn't, if you never heard me say that before. Uh, try that out. Input is really the key to your success with Chinese. So if you're not a reader, you're gonna have to become, like, not, you don't know, have to do anything, but I highly suggest that you become one to, on some level. Um, and you start looking for content that you enjoy. It's gonna make your your progress so much faster and so much more enjoyable, so much, uh, so much less stress-free. No, so much more stress-free. There you go. So that's my sort of opening thought on there. Input, input, input. So let's jump in as we usually do to props. So as usual, we're just gonna go through um, essentially the hands and moving method and, and we'll do sort of uh, the more miscellaneous sort of emails or messages that we received th through the week that don't really fall into any category afterwards. So we're gonna start off with props here. And if anyone's listening and don't know what the hands and moving method is, and you're not on our course, there's blog posts explaining everything under the title in the show notes on the actual um, show notes of the podcast. So props, we've got uh, quite a few props this week. Yeah, nice handful, so let's go through them. Julian Laffey, make a movie for Dai, which means a couple of things. Oh, but this is actually for the prop, for that little component at the top, the top component, which is a straight line, a horizontal line with three vertical strokes. It's completely unique. Um, it uh, kind of looks like the the tal to tal, the, the grass component, but with three vertical strokes. And he said, for the top component, I went with knuckle dusters. 
instead of three syringes. I can imagine wrapping four fingers around its three prongs. Yeah, absolutely. And I was gonna, you can make that um, very shiny and bright and stuff. And if you think it's still not too vis visual enough, who uses knuckle dusters? Think of someone that's in media that has used knuckle dusters in the past. I don't know about you guys, but I'm thinking of Blade. There's a scene in Blade that a lot of people forget where he starts, I don't, it might be the first, I think it's the first one where he has these knuckle dusters with, uh, it's just awesome, it's, it's an awesome fight scene. So I, I could actually imagine Blade with those knuckle dusters on, just to make it absolutely clear that's what the, the prop is, but yeah, that's just me. William Edmides, pick a prop for Yo. Uh, Han Solo. Now, Yo is like the right hand, I believe, in this context. I don't have it in front of me right now, the actual lesson itself. So I guess Han Solo because he's the right hand. I'm, I might be mistaken there. He's like the right hand of Luke, isn't he? Or Chewie. I'm not a Star, Star Wars guy, sorry. John Hay on pick a prop for uh, Ting, as in sort of green. At a stretch, one can imagine the character to vaguely represent or re resemble Tutankhamun's burial mask, which is inlaid with horizontal bands of turquoise, that's the color basically that the character represents, and lapis lazuli, a mineral source of cyan. I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say that that is gonna be very unique to John Hay, and not many other people would think of it that way, which is why it's so awesome, because it's so personal to him and so specific and so detailed. That is how you think of a memorable prop, guys. Doesn't have to be that detailed though, please don't go about trying to do that, but uh, just saying. Very, very interesting, very good one. Uh, another one from John, pick a prop for Sheng, which means sort of to give birth. Having chosen baby Jesus already to represent Zi, and without wanting to restart the whole debate, which came first, the chicken or the egg, how about an egg, whence, all animal life comes into being. Sounds good. I haven't had anyone use Wentz in a while as well. Brilliant. Um, yes, well done. Uh, what, what better representation? Well, actually, either a little baby chick or an egg. Absolutely. William Edmides on the pick a prop for yo, as in to possess or to have. Uh, <laughs> so he's gone for an interesting uh, route here because that's obviously very abstract, isn't it? So how do you think of an object to represent that? Well. Annabelle, the possessed doll from The Conjuring, or Chucky from the movie Child's Play. I'd definitely go for Chucky on that one. That's a really good one. Well done, William. Uh, another one here from William. Pick a prop for, well, I mean, it doesn't have a pronunciation as far as I'm aware, but it's, uh, it's used in a, a lot of characters on the right and uh, sometimes the left. When it's on the left, it represents, uh, usually represents like a wall or a city, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, other props based on the meaning could involve a great wall, include the Great Wall of China, or based on looks, it could be a giant toothbrush. And they're both equally as effective. A bubble blower, as it, yeah, it does look kind of like a side view of one of those things you blow through to make bubbles, or a famous <coughs> German slash Greek person, because that, that the character itself, and you'll have to go and check it out, or it might be able to come up come up on the screen here. Um, it kind of looks like the German letter B, I don't know what that is, and the Greek letter, uh, whatever that is as well. Uh, yes, or since it looks like a little 
a little like the number 13, it could be an unlucky object, like a black cat or a broken mirror. Now that one's a, a degree or two of separation, but it could still definitely work. Thanks for all the uh, suggestions. Uh, this next one here from William, uh, pick a prop for, well, it's kind of like a, just an X, and uh, it doesn't really, as far as we were having that much of a meaning, but it kind of looks like shears. So we suggested something to do with mowing. So the beer, beer trimmer, as you're essentially mowing the lawns, but on your face. Makes sense to me. Other choices based on the, uh, on the appearance could be a pair of scissors or hedge cutters. Yes, 100%. And I think directly after that, we sort of chunk that with uh, the sort of horns, the, no, sorry, the animal legs component. And it chunks together to make a new character, which we also make a prop for, which is fool, as in father. And uh, he's chosen Mr. Incredible to represent that fool. Mr. Incredible from The Incredibles. Very good. Uh, you, I guess you could also go for something like a, a priest, right? Because you refer to them as father. I'd probably go for Father Ted, which uh, not many people will get as a reference probably, but that would be me. Uh, William Edmedes again on uh, Pick a Prop for now this one is interesting because it's got like three different um, props in one because it can have different forms but it's essentially the same character or same component. For the full form of E, which is basically means clothing, he's going to go for a Dementor from Harry Potter as it's basically a giant hooded cloak. And for the sort of side component version of that, he's going to go with the man in the yellow hat from Curious George. So someone that just stands out as having interesting clothing. Brilliant. The next one here is a good one because it's another one that's a, sort of a, an abstract meaning that we're trying to sort of cement in a material form. And John Hayes done a really good job here. If you really want to avoid something, because this is what this character actually means, mian, mian, um, means to avoid. And it is actually uh, used in that f by itself as well, often. Um, and he says, if you really want to avoid something, you avoid it like a plague. So what about a beak mask as worn by the plague doctors? Anyone ever, ever played Assassin's Creed? If you're not sure what that is, you'll uh, remember the doctors from that. William Edmides on pick a prop for yen, which means speech. I'm going to go for, I'm doing this a lot today, aren't I? I'm doing this. I hope that doesn't get annoying for you guys. Uh, I'm going for Jack in the Box as yen reminds me of one. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's an interesting one, yeah, because I could never think of one, I could never really think of one for the appearance of that, but if you look at that character, it definitely could work, because you've got like a little top hat, haven't you, and then, and then sort of a spring-like, very good, yeah, jack-in-the-box. So some great suggestions for props this week, let's move on to sets here. Connor Griffith on set the scene, oh, I've only got one this week. Set the scene for ONG, Chongqing, my apartment. So Connor lives in uh, Chongqing, which is actually a city very close to Chengdu. And it's kind of like, you know, when I live at Portsmouth and Southampton, and I guess it happens all across America and all, all the other sorts of countries as well. We have like two cities very close to each other and they're kind of rivals. They don't like each other very much. Chongqing and Chengdu are kind of like that. And they both have their own style of hot pot and they always, you know, my hot pot's better. 
and then they secretly go and eat, eat each other's hot pots anyway, you know, because they're Sichuanese. So yeah, that's a good one. So we always uh, recommend that you, when you choose a set, and there's only 13 sets in total, that you connect it with the actual pronunciation, the spelling of O-N-G or A-N, whichever final it's representing. Connect that with an actual word that connects to your apartment. So it's sort of a word that links it, kind of like a mnemonic. And O-N-G, Tong, O-N-G, Chongqing. So that's that connection there. Very, very good, Connor. Nice, all right. So just that one for this week. Now let's move straight on to actors. Connor says, uh, casting call for R, which he says, uh, I'm going with my stepdad, Roger, who's a chef. And since I pronounce R like the ending of measure, um, chefs measure many ingredients. It helps with the pronunciation and the R initial. Fair enough. Yes, yeah, so you've got a double level of sort of uh, connection there. Clayton Lee on casting call for Zhu or Zhu, whatever it is, uh, it's Z-U, so it's a fictional actor related to the letter Z. And he's gone with Zoolander. I think he'll make memorable scenes. I think so, I think so too, he's hilarious. All right, so that's all the actors we have this week, just three. And let's jump into movies. So this is where we bring it all together, the actors, the props, the sets, and we make them interact with each other to represent the meaning of, or one of the meanings of the characters that we're learning. So we've got one here for make a movie for Yao, which is what I said earlier by accident uh, from William. Um, this character used to be a, uh, if you look at the older version of this character, it's very interesting. I mentioned it in um, pronunciation mastery in one, I can't remember where, but, um, the older version of this character was basically two hands around a pregnant woman. If you look at it carefully, that's what it kind of looks like. Um, and it's sort of representative of it, what else, but I mean, want a family, right? You want to find a, a good woman and you want to start a family with her, or at least the uh, that's the tradition, right? And I just thought it's a great just sort of insight. Like some of these characters are great. They really have a strong insight into the, the the culture so he says i've got my yoko ono why in the backyard of my ao set with the following props a boombox that represents the top part john lennon as well oh because i'll say so john lennon represents the the female component it literally means woman and that the reason why he's done that is because he wrote the song woman hmm. john and also that yeah, I was going to say, like, uh, I was looking at this, John and Yoko are together. Is that is that a coincidence? Or did you, you didn't change the prop by any chance, did you? So that John would be in this? Some people have done that before. I'm not saying you have, but um, it might just be a happy coincidence. But some people get very tempted to change their props or make their props have three different props to suit certain situations. You want to try and avoid that if, if that's the case. But... Anyway, so we've got John and Yoko hanging out in the backyard of my AO set when John feels like playing a song. He picks up the boombox and starts playing I Want It That Way by the Backstreet Boys. But Yoko doesn't like that song. You can see it in her face. Good facial expressions, gestures. So she tries to grab the boombox off John because she wants to change the song. But John was too quick 
and holds it high above his head, leaving poor Yoko trying to jump as high as she can to grab it, but failing miserably. And what better representation of a fairly abstract keyword, right? Want, what better representation? You've got basically acting like a child and there's nothing that represents want more than that, I guess, right? Uh, I can imagine as well her jumping up and down and screaming and shouting, doing kind of like a Veruca Salt impression. Very nice. Ija on the make a movie for Jing, which means a well. That's it's, it's obviously not a very common character in that, but it's used in tons of other other words. Sorry, other characters. So, and it is used in a few other few words as well. So. Actor, Jennifer Garner, J.I. Set, my high school where she learned English, E-N-G, Eng, that's the, or N-G rather as well. The props are Lindsay Lohan times two, as in the twins from the parent trap. She rep the, the two twins that represent the two vertical, sorry, horizontal lines, the number two in Chinese. Samurai sword, sort of like the curved line on the left, and Gandalf staff on the right. Brilliant. It was the year 1944. Ija always does this. She sets the scene. She sort of does a little movie script, like properly um, adds uh, adds a bit of atmosphere in there, a little bit of backstory as well. It's all it's all uh, it's very movie like. She, I think she creates the most movie like movie scenes of anyone at the moment. It was the year 1944 when my high school became a refuge for civilians during the Japanese occupation. To cope with the increasing numbers of refugees, Jennifer Garner was asked to find a new water source. She and the twins went around the school to scour for new sources of water. The twins carried a samurai sword and Gandalf staff just in case. They went into an abandoned classroom in the basement. Twin one used her samurai sword to clear out overgrown vegetation, lovely, around the area and twin two used the staff to prod at a vague, vague structure in the middle of the room. It was an ancient water well. Jennifer, pleasantly surprised, then said, well, 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 what do we have here? Ija, you love, love throwing in a bit of audio as well. That's good, sort of strengthen the meaning, the representation there. But I will say this, the because you, you describe everything so detailed and you just at the end you just say it was an ancient water well how do you show that i mean obviously you've got the the visuals of it but uh and you've got him uh one of the twins that are prodding it which is good because you, you have to interact or everything has to be interacted with in some whether it's the actors um whether it's the props or the keyword representation or the set itself you have to be interacting with everything um and uh, most, of this, most of the time, it's not even conscious. You don't have to worry about that. But if it's something as important as the keyword connection, I'd maybe interact with it a little bit more. Uh, maybe one of them falls down the well or shouts down it and you hear the echo. Or they drop something in and you hear the splash. Or uh, maybe the creature from the ring starts coming out of it, you know. No, maybe not. <laughs> maybe not the best idea to do that. That's just, uh, it might freak you out. But you get my point. Like, make sure that you're... For anyone listening and um, you're, you're doing something similar, try to make sure that everything, including the keyword representation, is either interacting with something or it's being interacted with in, a, in an obvious way. But I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say that this is not going to work at all. This is a great scene. I'm just saying 
um, it just had less interaction than uh, was maybe ideal. But great. Uh, William Edmides on making movie for May, as in uh, don't have. This is a tough one, right? Or at least it seems tough. Again, it, on the surface, it's one of those very abstract meanings. Uh, you might, you might, you might stump a few people, but I don't. Th I think William's not going to have an issue with this one. I've got Mark Wahlberg, the M uh, actor, in the kitchen of my EI set, kitchen second tone, right, with the following props: hose, three dots of water on the on the left, school desk, uh, the top sort of right component, and hand solo, as we discussed earlier, the right hand component. Let's see what he does with it. Mark Wahlberg and Han Solo are having a water fight in my EI set. However, Han doesn't have any swimwear on, so he's frantically looking for a place to hide. He finds a school table in the kitchen and hides under there. Meanwhile, Mark brings a hose into the kitchen and unfortunately for Han, finds and hoses him down. Right? I would say, for this particular scene, the keyword connection is not quite strong enough. That's what I would say for this, because, or at least the way you've written it doesn't, doesn't show that it's strong enough for me. Because, first of all, if I was looking at this, say, a month later, I was, re, I was looking at a flashcard that came up and I was trying to reestablish this scene in my head. I, I might be thinking, what doesn't he have? What, how does this represent doesn't have? Or what does this represent at all, right? Um, you're saying he doesn't have any swimwear on. So what does it mean? He's looking down at his clothes and, and how does he show, you know, so that's you know, fair enough. That might be strong enough. But the thing about the keyword connection is that it should be the main focal point for the entire scene. So that usually means it's like a, a theme throughout or it's like a climax at the end. So it's really obvious what's going on. So here's how I might tweak this. I could do exactly the same thing you know, maybe he looks down, yeah, I don't have any swimwear on, and you know, sure. And he's uh, getting worried, and, he, and so he runs and hides. And Mark Wahlberg is like maybe uh, spraying him with the hose and missing. Like he's trying to spray, spray, spray. And he's trying to get him, and then he hides, and then he finds him. And just as he's about to like sort of do the coup de grace, and he's about to soak him with water, nothing comes out. You know, and he's, he, he's like really like, Han Solo's like maybe laughing at him or something. And maybe he's like trying to get the hose and fix it and he's looking, looking down it. Nothing's going on. And maybe he just beats him with it instead. <laughs> I don't know, right? But the point is, the key is that May is the, the vital part of that scene that you've got to show. So you've got to be really over the top obvious with that and show it at the end or make it an absolute thing throughout. Uh, next one here from, oh, this is sort of a combined one, I guess, because William and Ija sort of having a little interaction here. And this is what, this is what I've been really happy to see, by the way. Um, I've been seeing a lot of people interact a lot on this forum, and it's just great to see, it really is. So he says, uh, brilliant use of the word uh, withdraw. So you've got the links there from uh, William Edmides, and you've got both their stories uh, from their links and their comments. The links are there in the show notes. So you can go check that. If you're on the course, you can check that out. Uh, he just says, well done, withdraw. Because I think Ija used a ATM to say withdraw. You know, it could be, you know, withdraw troops, right? But she went for ATM. And 
and William just said thanks. It was a great one. He was struggling with it. And uh, Ija gives him some good advice. She says, usually when I'm stumped with a keyword, I'll plug the character into Pleco and see the usage suggestion. Because a lot of characters, I would say, I would even dare to say most characters have more than one usage. Maybe not different pronunciations, but they have more than one usage depending on the context. Just like English words, right? Like I read a book and I read his expression, you know. For this one, the first sentence was which means to go and withdraw some money from a bank. The ATM machine is also called as in withdraw money machine. Most Chinese people just say ATM, but that's definitely the official name. Uh, hence, making the character keyword connection even more memorable. Yes, it's money. The withdrawal of troops is out of context, but it helps me remember the English keyword. Just to add the word zhengqu, ironically means to strive or fight for, which is the opposite of the usage of withdraw. Okay, so she's gone to another couple of levels with it, which is great. But um, the point here is, guys, this is good advice. And we do mention this at some point in the course to, yeah, check out the character on the dictionary. Uh, we used to give that as advice a lot when we were troubleshooting um, during live courses. We used to teach this live, right? And um, that was one of the key things that you can do is check Pleco. What, what example sentences are you coming up with? Another one is just stick the, ca the character into uh, Google Images, just like you would with uh, compound words when you're trying to find images for your flashcards, right? Um, or here's another level you could do it as well. Got to think a little outside the box sometimes. If you really are stumped, go into Pleco see what comes up so you get withdraw troops or uh withdraw money atm you know and you you start to come up with these these english words and that are sort of representative of it Just put those english words into uh, for the different usages into google images and uh, the images will give you some inspiration great advice thanks for this next movie we've got uh make a movie for beer which means well it has a couple of main meanings one of the main meaning is uh don't do something don't be like that, or 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 whatever. Don't go there. Not like as in don't go. You know what I mean? Like literally, don't go there, right? Uh, it also means uh, like say other, like uh, other, an uh, other solution, other solution. Um, but one one of the curious things about this character, and I don't know this for sure. I don't, I'm sort of speculating a little bit, but I've I've heard that. Beer is in the in the in the usage of don't or don't do this, don't do that. Beer is actually um, a shortened way of saying which also means of course don't do that, right? Which we also talk about in the pronunciation course. But uh, I think that beer, it was uh, it's it, the, this character is used to represent that, but I believe it was just a shortened way of saying buyao. And then the character was added to it later. But I'm not, don't quote me on that. It's just an interesting thing that I've, I've heard from a Chinese person over the years. Uh, okay, so actor Beyonce set my clinical school education. Props, a can of Pringles, a sword. Okay, Beyonce and I were in the pantry. Oh, by the way, yeah, so she's going to create the idea that the keyword don't. Beyonce and I were in the pantry of my clinical school, uh, racking our brains on how to make m a movie with these props. Hmm. Very meta. I like it. Beyonce had an idea. She smiled. I knew what she was up to. 
I said, don't go there, please. But it will be good, she said. Don't do it. Ugh. Beyonce, ignoring my annoyance, grabbed a can of Pringles and began to dance. All the Pringle ladies, all the Pringle ladies. Well done. I'm very proud of you for that. That was a very good pun. I, who was fed up with dealing with puns all day, grabbed the sword and dramatically slashed all the Pringle cans in sight before storming off set. Very good. Very good word. Don't is very clear here. And of course, you can definitely add in some body language, you know, maybe some threatening sort of pointing like Bruce Lee style, like don't do it. And she's like sort of picking up the Pringle can like sort of tentatively, like she said, don't. And maybe she walks away and says, all right, I won't do it. And then jumps in and just starts doing it. Very nice, yeah. <laughs> I'm a sucker for puns, man, as you know. All right, next one. Make a movie for Yao, which is a uh, medicine. So Keyword is medicine. Actress Idina Menzel, that's E, E, yeah, or Y, whichever, uh, set a house with a lot of painful memories. Fair enough. A, O, that's the set. The props are a rose, which would be the top component, and the bottom would be a stethoscope, which I assume is representative of, because the bottom component is actually a character that is Yue, means to book an appointment or to make a date. And you use that for doctors, so stethoscope, I'm... Correct me if I'm wrong there, but I assume that's what the connection she is, is that she made. Idina Menzel, still recovering from her anxiety attack, locked herself in the bathroom of my AO house. She felt that it's probably better to be a solo performer rather than relying on others to get her back on Broadway. So I can't remember what this is connecting to exactly, but I think I, I, I think it's connecting directly to another scene that we went through, that I actually went through a couple of weeks ago. And this will happen a lot, and I love when this happens, and it's happened sort of naturally because of the way that the, the characters are, stru are structured, right? Your scenes will just feed into each other and you'll have sort of like a, a series, almost like a TV show instead of a movie scene, you know, like connected movie scenes or TV series. Um, and it's, it's quite fun, it can be really fun. It makes, them, uh, it makes the, the next scene a lot easier to think up as well. Uh, she said, still recovering, Broadway. Uh, maybe Romeo and Juliet would be a good choice for a monologue. She held up a rose stolen from the nurse's counter and said, what's in a name? That which we call a rose by any other name would smell as sweet. She then quickly drops down to the floor to act out Juliet's fake death and puts on a stethoscope stolen from an intern. No backstory necessary either, but I really appreciate it. Um, on the chest to play the role of the nurse. She's dead, deceased, she's dead, alack the day. She then played Romeo, took an empty bottle of medicine and drank it. Thy drugs are quick, thus with a kiss I die. For never was a story of more woe <laughs> than this of Edina and her Broadway show. Eja, I mean... Well done, well done. You've got, you, this is not just puns, not just Shakespeare. You've put a little rhyme and a, a, little, a little line of a poem in there as well at the end, just to, 
well, essentially show everyone up at this point. I mean, <laughs> well done. Well done indeed. Okay, the next one here from uh, William is uh, make a movie for yo, as in peng yo. And I like this one because it's very straightforward, very simple. He says, I've got Yoko Ono in the living room of his OU set with the following props. A giant gun holster and Han Solo, as we've already used uh, once or twice now. Yoko Ono is about to start some great practice in the living room, uh, target practice in the living room. She has her hand by her gun holster waiting to quick draw, high noon style. In one quick movement, she grabs the gun and attempts to fire when she realized that she actually grabbed out a longtime friend, Han Solo. I can't imagine how that's going to work, but I'm sure you've got it right in your head there. Like, she picks up a person instead of the gun. Um, both faces gasp in surprise that they haven't seen each other in ages. They promptly walk off the set to grab a beer. Why is Yoko Ono doing target practice? Doesn't matter. She just, she just is because that's what the props are. Okay, great. Just simple, straightforward. Uh, gets to the point. And they go off and grab a beer. I imagine they've got their friends. And that's the end of the scene as well. So it's clearly the focal point. Lovely. Next here, we've got uh, make a movie for Quan, which means wide. And it's got three components or props. And they're fairly complex. So let's have a look, see what see what uh, Ija does to handle this. So um, Po from Kung Fu Panda, that's the KU uh, representation. It's, it's in the anatomy lab. It's got the roof-shaped hat that represents the roof component, a rose, again, as we've used before, and a telescope representing jian, as in kan jian, as in to see. Poe was admiring a telescope at the entrance of my anatomy lab. It came attached with a shiny wide-angle lens. Poe then looked into the telescope and noticed a guy wearing a roof-shaped hat and baggy clothes, suspiciously suspended at the side of the next building. Okay. He then remembered the announcement the day prior that in lieu of increasing crime rate in the university, people should keep their eyes wide open and be aware of any suspicious behavior. Poe then shouted, hey you, the guy got panicked and fell into the rose bush below. Turned out he was a broadband installer for the uni. Okay, yeah, that's uh, obviously, and it's, it's, it's just typical you know, very detailed sort of atmospheric uh, writing, which I, I really like. Um, I uh, I would say, though, that keeping everything in the same room is important. And you can, yeah, you can have them, like you got him in a separate building, and I get why you did that, because of the telescope. And maybe you've even had, like, yourself looking through the telescope as if, you, like, from Poe's point of view, and it's all this sort of stuff. But it's it's a bit over-complex for me. I would prefer, you could do the same thing, just with, the, the panda at one end of the room and the guy fixing something in the corner. Um, and, you know, we can put the rose in there somehow, somehow you know. Maybe uh, Poe doesn't just say, hey, you. He, he takes a big rose and he throws it at the guy and the guy falls down. Yeah, and uh, that's, that's fine. You know, and also you've got to be careful with the positioning there. I'm not sure. You've got the guy with the roof, he's got a rooftop hat and then the rose and then, yeah, that, maybe that works. I just, but you gotta make sure that the telescope is on the bottom as well, positioning wise and clearly on the bottom. And then the clearly the rose next and then clearly the guy's uh, roof hat. Because the reason why I say that is because the guy, the, 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 the um, what, what is the rose here, the, the grass component, 
is almost always on the very top, but in this character it's not. This is sort of an exception as a, char as a character. Uh, and yes, yeah, so you want to make sure that you very clearly show the rose underneath. Oh, which you have. No, you have, to be fair. You show that he, he fell on the rose bush, which is clearly below the hat. So well, I'm just a bit, yeah, I, I keep, don't, don't, for people listening, obviously this is fine for Ija. Um, it works in her mind, that's fine. But as the people listening, I would say simplify a little bit more. And also don't don't need to come up with reasons for things unless you're doing it for an, anyone's entertainment, which is it's which is fine. Um William Edmedes on make a movie for one, which means culture or can also mean literature. I've got Woody from the movie Toy Story in the kitchen of my EN set with the following props. A top hat uh and a big beard trimmer, as he discussed earlier. Really basic. Woody wearing a top hat and a monocle is trimming his hipster beard with a big beard trimmer as he wants to look cultured. And maybe you could have him like posing in the mirror or something like that, just like trying to look cultured, maybe like buttoning up his uh, you know, cowboy shirt and stuff like this. That works for me, cultured. Yeah. Uh, make a movie for Guy. Oh, she's got a quick scene here. George Clooney at the bedroom of my AI set altering his wife's snake skin top as she's about to tap dance at the Met Gala. He altered the couture a quarter shorter. Oh, I see what you say. Okay, lovely. Yeah, so again, really quick. Oh, finished. You know, so um, get to the sort of getting to the point occasionally, really quick, that's no problem. All right, lovely, lots of scenes. Thank you very much today, guys. That was, that was well, this week rather. That was really good. So now we're going to move on to the miscellaneous section. This is basically things that we've had come in this week, which we thought would be worth mentioning to you that uh, either questions or comments that are interesting that thought might help you guys out in some way or be worth talking about. And uh, Sydney Green uh, is, is the first one we've got this week. And he says, got to character 400, must be a milestone. Uh, yeah, that's a milestone. And once we're done with updating the course, correcting all the um, mistakes, we're, we're doing a complete overhaul of the course with both the Chinese and the English to make sure all the mistakes are corrected that we've, um, that we, well, that we haven't noticed already. Um, once that's done, and you know, maybe once the character expansion is is sorted, which is also well on the way, we'll start thinking about levels, badges, time, uh, milestones, um, a little bit more, and start adding a few emails in. Um, in fact, Phil has already added, a, a, we're gonna, we've already written an email for every single level. So once you finish a level, you'll have that, that to look forward to. It's a very detailed, sort of encouraging, motivating email that you'll receive personally from us. It'll just be all about what you've learned and what you've got coming up and how awesome you are. But you should be very proud of that, Sydney. That's 400 characters. 400 characters. That's got to be like, you know, overall in terms of frequency, it's at least, um, I'm trying to remember now, I've got that chart in my head. 1,000 characters is 91% of the, of the language. So this has got to be well over 60%, the, just those 400 characters uh, in terms of, um, in terms of uh, frequency. I think, yeah. Uh, Yarden Isaac on It's a Word for Qi says, can I actually say Qi Che and not Qi Zixing Che? Yes, and that's what everyone says, you know, no. Uh, 
It's like the equivalent of saying, I ride my bicycle to work instead of I ride my bike, you know. Um, and uh, yeah, 骑车骑车, everyone knows that that's ride a bicycle. Yeah. In fact, it's way, it's, it's not the same as ride a bicycle because some people say bicycle. It's not hard to say, but 自行车, you know, it's a long word, you know, it's, a, it's an awkward word to say even for Chinese people. 骑车骑车, yeah. Pamela Baldwin on phase two, learning words by learning about yourself. This is where we start graduating from individual characters to actually learning compound words using the various techniques. This was an interesting question. I, I wrote quite a long answer to this, so go check it out. Uh, please, I have a question for you. If the word you are trying to remember is zao, uh, but you cannot think of a word that sounds like it, what do you do? What type of picture should I make? Hmm. So zao kind of means like um, <clears throat> to sort of trump up. It's like to make something up. And near means to pinch or to sort of near uh, right? So near like to sort of unrelated things sort of smushed together. So that's how that's why it's related to this word. So I would say if you got a, I mean, first of all, this is a very high level word. I'm, I don't think this is in our list, but you're trying to learn this for some reason. Maybe it's the HSK or whatever, and you're trying to learn it. Fine. Remember, there's there's a, a few different ways. If you look into this video, uh, we call it living living links. And um, from our various research over the years, our own experience, this is how we come to realize is one the best way to learn a compound word quickly. Just an individual word, not this is like before you start trying to see it in context and stuff. Just to build your initial vocabulary. You can um, base it on uh, your memories. So what memories do you have of someone making something up on the fly or just making up a story, whether that's not just things you've experienced personally, but things you've experienced by proxy. So for example, movies, comics, TV shows, computer games, you know, that's still your experience. So where have you, do you have a character that makes stuff up um, or something like or that did in a particular scene? Uh, that's a memory. Uh, images. You represent your image by uh, your memory by image. Uh, the sound, near zao, near zao. What does it sound like? Near zao, near. I'm I'm near. Zao. Yeah, see, that's a tough one, right? So I see what you can think of a think of a, a, a connection based on the audio because near is a very rare pronunciation in Chinese, and it doesn't really sound near. Near. It sounds like near in English, so you could maybe think about that uh, as a sort of connection. But zao, near zao, near zao. <laughs> you know what I mean, right? So trying to use, think of a sound connection, but that's a bit of a stretch. Uh, images, sounds, oh, mnemonics, just in general, uh, and the characters themselves. Right? So all these different connections, can you combine any of them, right? I, I recommended to her, I believe, that I would just, I would just search for Niedzao in uh, Google Images, or think of an a time, what did I think? Oh, near. Also, it's like like stitching things together, right? And just you know, so I think of like Frankenstein, or um, I can't remember the specific example I gave for this one, but the idea is that you think of an, an English meaning that you have associated with it, and then you search for an image related to that meaning. So maybe um, uh, Frankenstein could be a good one. Okay. And then, of course, that's just the first stage. Then you want to see it in context after that in sentences. And by the and this is such a high level word that. By the time you start learning a word like this, that you should have enough foundation that you could see it, just start learning it in sentences. Um, but also sentences could have pictures too to help strengthen their memory. So 
There's lots of things you can do. The next one here is uh, from Bennett Seacrest. It's a cool name. On Pinion Part 2. It wasn't made for us. This is from Pronunciation Mastery. When I first started out learning Chinese, one of the first questions I had, <laughs> I had was, how the heck do they type this out? Pinyin is a pretty snazzy way of doing it. Yes, yeah, me too. In fact, they used to have, um, and they still do, they have a Duyin uh, keyboard, which is a keyboard that just has Chinese uh, components all over it. It looks very complicated. I wouldn't have this, the slightest idea about how to use it. But if you become, uh, this is used for like a, natives, I, I guess mostly. I, I've never seen a foreigner ever use one, but um, I imagine someone out there knows how to do it. It's actually way faster than typing Chinese in pinyin. I've, I've heard, right? So if you use zhuyin, uh, Z-H-U-Y-I-N, zhuyin, with the special zhuyin keyboard, it's actually a ton faster, I've heard from um, uh, secretaries that I've, I've met, or a secretary that I've met. All right, there's one person that said this, but she was Chinese, so it must be true. Um, Keith Wilkins on bonus, build on what you already know to learn Chinese. This is from the Rapid Acquisition Crash Course, I believe, which is a free course you can access by the main website. If you go to resources, no, no, sorry, go to video courses on the main header and it'll be on that list. You can go sign up. Hey guys, first off, I wanted to say how much I'm enjoying proceeding through this method. It's at the top of the list of things I enjoy, enjoy doing every day. Great, apart from seeing my wife at the end of the day, of course, of course. We're a close second, I'm sure. I can't even imagine the hours and hours of hard work on your end that was put into making all this happen. Well done. One thing I have been wondering about though is, is it natural for details of the movies I'm making to fall off and just after a while learn to recognize words or characters in brackets as sight words that is characters you just know without having to do a lot of cognitive heavy lifting as i'm going through this method i find myself at first making movies with very minute details but then the more i review them and become familiar with them <clears throat> and just recalling them over and over again with the srs the anki flashcards i find i don't need the crutch of the movie details as much. If needed, of course, I can still recall, say, the room or location if I'm not sure about the tone, but overall this reliance on the visualization aspect of the method diminishes with time. In my experience, in my experience, is this the natural progression of this method? If so, I can't believe how easy it is. Any thoughts you guys would like to throw in? Yes, is the short answer. Yes, that's exactly what happens. So, Creating these movies, these uh, that seem somewhat elaborate and over the top in some ways, or like quote unquote a lot of work to do, all that's all they are designed to do is efficiently, in the most efficient way known to anyone in the Chinese learning community, get those characters and the pronunciation, how to read them and write them as well, in your long-term memory as fast as possible. It's just a shortcut to your long-term memory, and. Uh, not just, I want to say long-term memory, I don't mean drill it into your head, I mean it's attached to your actual life memories. So it's, it's, it, it's attached by, it has many, many connections throughout your brain, so it's, it's there for good, or at least for a very long time. And it's getting there as short as possible, as opposed to the other way of just dr drilling it in a horrifically boring way over and over again, only to create a very shallow long-term memory that you'll eventually forget. So 
and then but once the the method i guess the bridge is 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 served its function once it's already throughout your brain all these connections it's in your long-term memory the original bridge that we create this movie scene or flashcard for compound words or whatever it is that can diminish right i but you you'll like you say it's, it's so funny because it's exactly how it's supposed to go you know you have these connections they get made and you um you know, uh, and then this, the, the thing that helped you make connections, it diminishes. We don't need it anymore. But you can still recall most of it, if not all of it, even years later, if you need to. That's the beauty of it, right? So it's not like it disappears forever. So for example, uh, I still can go back into my memories, uh, my memory palaces for characters that I learned five years ago now. I don't know how long exactly, but a long time. I use this method uh, to learn like 3,000 characters in six months. And I can still go into a lot of them and remember exactly what the scene was, or at least where I was, at least who was there, you know? It's great. And you, yes, it is easy. <laughs> it is easy over the long, if you look at what else is out there and uh, over the long term, yes, it is easy. So thanks, Keith, for your uh, comment there. That's really great to see that you're enjoying the method and keep us updated on your progress, okay? We really want to hear from you. And that goes for anyone else that's out there on the course that is enjoying it or uh, you know, wants to share something but maybe hasn't shared anything with us yet. Get in touch, let us, let us know what you think. Uh, the next one here we've got is from Kate, just an email we had. She said, uh, I wanted to share with you all that I've been working on your pronunciation course for five weeks. I leave for Shanghai in 10 days. I downloaded Baidu Translate and I tried speaking a few phrases from the Yankee cards and the app understands my Mandarin pronunciation. My mind is blown. <laughs> it feels great to know that I'll be able to use a few phrases while I'm there. Thanks to everyone at Mandarin Blueprint uh, for a fantastic course. I've started learning characters and I'm really motivated to keep learning when I get back home. Thank you, Kate. That's great to see and hear as well. Yeah, the pronunciation, Ah, oh, man, like the, especially when you're a beginner and you, you, you just know a few phrases. Uh, so many people miss out on good pronunciation practice and they pay for it, you know, in terms of like, however good you feel when someone understands you, and you just blurt out something that you just or you just read it from a, a dictionary or you repeat a phrase you heard. You don't really know what it means that much, but you got, you know, the gist of it and you just say it to someone and they get it and they answer you back, and maybe you don't understand when they answer back, but whatever. How good that feels is exactly how bad it feels when the opposite happens, right? When you say something and they're like, hmm? Um, that, that sucks, right? Um, so that's really great that you've got that uh, skill that you've, you have spent five weeks uh, honing. It's gonna pay off for however many years you stay with Chinese, probably the rest of your life, right? Fantastic. Uh, got an email here from uh, John Sprague. It's quite a long one, but uh, uh, I thought it was worth mentioning because it's, uh, it's a very interesting email. Uh, and of course, it's gonna apply to a lot of you who are sort of listening, um, that are thinking about trying out the course. Maybe you're just on the pronunciation course, for example, or you haven't, you just heard of us, and you stumbled across this, and you're, somehow still listening after all that talk of actors and props that haven't scared you away. Uh, this is good to hear. So 
Hello, my name is John Sprague. My question is, if I study your course for two to five hours a day, do you think it's likely that I will be conversant in Mandarin in a year? Yes, I believe Phil answered him and he said, hell yes. <laughs> like two, two to five hours, if you could spend three or something hours a day with our method, like we, we would love to see what, what you can do with that. Definitely um, conversation in a year, 100%. So I'll just say that off the bat. But he says, can your course take me to fluency, in brackets, with the understanding that I don't really know what that means, to be honest. <laughs> Not many people do. I'm 52, I took a year of Chinese, John DeFrance's textbook, Speaking and Writing, 32 years ago, and I still remember words and phrases and some characters I had a year of French. Uh, I had, sorry, I had a year of French and a year of German, three years Latin, my husband is Spanish. Husband? Oh yeah, All right, okay, fair enough. Uh, <laughs> I was like, John is a funny name for a girl. Oh, wait a minute, it's 2020. Um, I just made that up and although I can't escape the present tense, I can usually make myself understood. I'm a professional bagpiper. Oh man, I've got to meet this guy. And teach piping. I work as a bodyguard four nights a week as well. I'm the midnight man 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. I do nothing productive all night but watch movies. I figure I can study. I hate to waste time, even if I'm getting paid. Since I have so much time available to me, and I have always wanted to speak Chinese to a comfortably conversant level and read easily, I started hunting for a method. My available time is at night, so I have to do it online. I signed up for Chinese Zero to Hero. I actually looked this up, it looks, looks interesting. It's geared to passing the HSK-1. It isn't act, an actual course, it's an addendum to helping people with the HSK-1 course, but it's not a course in and of itself. Very good material, but not organized course instruction. Yeah, that's often the case. Even after buying the HSK-1 workbook, textbook, the pedagogy, pedagogy, goggy, I don't know, still seems to me to require I'm in a classroom. I'm not. It doesn't work for me. I signed up for Chinese Class 101. They advertise feedback from native speakers. I believe that's also an online course, right? It's an okay method, but far too slow. It takes 72 hours to have a single lesson checked. It's also a little too cutesy, trying to make it fun and cool. It's, it's a bit less serious than my taste. I've been user, using Duolingo on my phone, which has a game feel, and it's really great for learning characters. I watched your first 22 videos. You guys seem to have a unique approach. Fluency in a year? Again, yes. Um, and again, it, it, it seems to me, and this is the problem that we're trying to solve as well. It's just, there's so much stuff out there, isn't there? You know, China, all these different things, like apps, uh, things that just teach HSK, things that just teach characters, things that just teach pronunciation, things that are really high quality in, in content, but lack any structure, kind of like um, Ch Chinese, uh, was it um, Chinese pod? You know, they're just amazing. They've got these, you know, these amazing, um, well-acted podcasts that teach you a bunch of words. And then you just, okay, but what next? Or just keep watching them. And I watched, like, I, I, I'm quite obsessive, as, you, as some of you guys know. And I, I've I watched about, I probably listened to and, and took note on over 500 Chinese pod um podcast but I didn't know where I was you know I knew I was learning stuff I knew it and I was enjoying myself 
Um, I was like, where, where am I going? Um, and that's part of the thing that we're trying to solve. Not that we're gonna, we're trying to be the best podcast or, or, or like, we're not trying to be Chinese pod. We're not trying to be Scritter. We're not trying to be any of these. We're just trying to create an overall structure so that someone like John, who is, has got the willingness to learn and is clearly able to be very diligent and, and, a, and a good student, right? Someone like him is like, okay, I've got money that I, I'm willing, I'm willing to spend. I've got time that I'm willing to spend, but I can't find something that's sort of a, in a way, kind of like a fix-all, a one-stop shop. And that's what we we are, you know. So you, the the whole idea of Mandarin Blueprint is that you start. It's a one-stop shop. I'm not saying that we're the best at everything, but one thing we do offer is the structure of traditional teaching, like university class and stuff, without all the nonsense that doesn't work you know with, with with methods that actually work that you can be guaranteed are actually doing something for you um yeah because we i've been through the same thing i've been through the same thing i was like oh, look i've got this i've got, i'm willing to get like sacrifice i'm willing to invest my effort and time two hours a day three four five hours a day as long as it works and i've got some idea that's going to work so I'm really happy that John's found us, and um, I, I believe he actually signed up with us as well. Um, and we're really happy to have you. And you know, I'm really excited to see like what sort of level of progress you're going to make. You see, you watch the first 22 videos. I'm, I imagine that's the pronunciation at this point, but uh, possibly it's the it's the the, the Mandarin Blueprint method. I'm not 100% sure. Either way. Welcome, and uh, you're in good hands. You're in very good hands, and you're going to make some good progress with us. And yes, one more time, fluency is certainly possible in a year. Uh, I'll just briefly, before I move on, I'll quickly define what I think fluency is. And we, me and Phil have very, Phil and I, sorry, we have very similar ideas about this. Fluency is basically, you can communicate uh, a range of topics, you know, um, you can communicate pretty much anything with enough time. You don't necessarily know all the words. You can you can be fluent with a thousand words, all right. So, but if they're the most common words and you know how to use them well, then you can use them to get yourself out of any situation. Communicate. Put my thought in, like, so put your thoughts into the thought into the head of a native speaker, which is what communicating is. So you, maybe you forget the word, or you don't know the word for, I don't know fridge refrigerator right um but you can say the, the 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 cold box in in your in 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 the kitchen that you keep food in you know well mine broke right? so you could just get that's fluency right you got the idea in their head now does, does it mean you don't make mistakes does it mean that you're not that you're perfect does it mean that you sound exactly like a native speaker of course not that's not fluency Think about all the foreigners that you know, or not foreigners, but someone that with a foreign background that say uh, an immigrant to your country that lives in your country, which I'm sure most of us know or have met, like uh, they you don't care, right? You don't really care that they speak with an accent or that they're not 100% grammatical, uh, grammatically correct. They, they can communicate with you um, and they can communicate their personality to you and whatnot. So it's like, that's, that's the goal, right? That's what I think fluency is. Uh, people have lots of different ideas and then of course there's different levels of fluency right so there's or people say conversational fluency which is about a thousand words 
Um, and then it's like the, ne the next stage sort of like, <clears throat> so if you want to have like native fluency, you only need like 3,000 words, two and a half thousand words really. Um, that's the amount that people use day to day, maybe 5,000 or, you know, I've, I've heard that 10,000 is for like a highly educated person. That doesn't sound right to me. I'd say 5,000 words in your active vocabulary and you can have a conversation about anything with anyone. That's just me. All right, next here, we've got Paulette from email. Thanks for the recommendation. I'll definitely check them out. I don't know what that's referring to actually, sorry. Uh, the pronunciation course is brilliant by the way. As I continued to, as I continued to work through it, I can see how much work and thought went into it. Thank you very much. I'm finding it clear and helpful and I'll definitely recommend it to anyone I know who's even considering studying Mandarin. Thank you. Cheers, Paulette. Thank you very much, Paulette. I really appreciate that. Uh, and that's a great point to uh, finish the podcast for today. So as usual, um, please keep the uh, comments coming and the emails. Get in touch anytime at uh, contact at mandarinblueprint.com. Welcome to all newcomers, uh, anyone who's on the, who's just signed up for the Pronunciation Mastery or the Mandarin Improvement Method, well done. And uh, also get in touch with us if you've got any issues or you just wanna share some ideas that you've got or just share your progress, anything at all. Share, share, share. And if it's anything specifically relating to the podcast uh, and only the podcast, then just email us at podcast at mandarinblueprint.com and I will see you in a couple of weeks. Cheers. Bye-bye.